The words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord, thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. For as the rain cometh down, and the snow from heaven, and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, and maketh it bring forth in bud, that it may give seed to the sower, and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I send it. Welcome to another program with Truths to Live By, a ministry of Harriman Baptist Tabernacle in Harriman, Tennessee. You're listening to Brother Benjamin Cooley. I pray we would be a blessing to you today. saved us from our sins, our lives are now in God. We desire the Holy Word to order where we trod. All for Christ, yet anything for self we count as dross. We're pilgrims with a crown With our Bibles open today to the book of Luke, chapter number 23. We move from Christ and the condescension and study Christ and the cross. Christ and the cross, Luke 23, verse 33, after a word of prayer together. Father, it is in Jesus' wonderful name I come. And I want to thank you for Calvary today. And Lord, I'm asking you by your Spirit to give men a view, even of the death of the cross, that the sinner might have their first look, and the saint might have a fresh look at what Jesus our Lord did upon this tree. Thank you for saving a wretch like me. In Jesus' name I pray, and for his sake, amen and amen. Luke 23, verse 33. And when they were come to the place which is called Calvary, there they crucified him. The thrust of this part of our series on the unsearchable riches of Christ is that God would lead men to Calvary, that they might catch a glimpse of their Redeemer who gave his life, that men by him might receive the atonement for their sins, according to Romans 5 and verse 11. We would give you first a general glance at the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. The cross stands throughout all of Scripture for the careful reader to see, hear, and understand. 
Now, to speak of the cross is to speak of the person and work of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But to look at the cross is to see Him dying, bleeding as our substitute and as the sacrifice before God. And it is to hear Him say and proclaim, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And then to hear Him go on and say, It is finished. And finally, Father, into Thy hands I commend my spirit. In Titus 1 and verse 2, in Revelation 13 and verse 8, we see the cross and its preeminence. Before the world began, the cross was in the mind and heart of God. Calvary was no afterthought. Then the cross and its prophecy. Genesis 3, 14 and 15, that the seed of the woman would crush the head of the serpent and have his heel to be bruised. Isaiah 53, verses 4 through 12, God foretold what would happen to his beloved son. Not only the cross and its preeminence, the cross and its prophecy, but the cross and its portrayal. Think in Genesis 3.21, that first sacrifice, when God took animals and he slew them and made coats of skins for Adam and Eve. Think of the sacrifice of Isaac, Genesis 22. God the Father's heart pictured. Think of Exodus 12, the Passover lamb. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. Yes, the significance and substance of the cross is foreshadowed throughout all the Old Testament. But then the cross and its poetry. Psalm 22. I believe the Lord Jesus perhaps quoted the whole psalm, but we find reference and fulfillment of this poetic prophecy in Matthew 27, Psalm 22, and then Psalm 69. Yes, the psalms pulse with the agony of Calvary. David's greater son, even Jesus, is the rhyme and the reason for the songs of the Psalms. But then the cross and its power. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God and the salvation to everyone that believeth. We preach Christ crucified. Who is this Christ? He is the power and wisdom of God. 1 Corinthians 1, 18 and verses 23 and 25. Though he was crucified in weakness, yet he liveth by the power of God. 2 Corinthians 13 and verse 4. There is no power like the power of the cross of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. What seemed to be weakness and subjection to the cruel purposes of men, to that pompous, wicked mind of man, is actually the mighty power of God to save. Hallelujah for the cross and its power. But then I see the cross and its plea throughout Scripture. John 6 and 44, Jesus said, No man can come to me except the Father which has sent me draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. And then Jesus said of himself in John chapter 12 and verse 32, And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. The Bible says this spake he, signifying what death he should die, the death of the cross. 
So the Father's will is pleading with men, except the Father which hath sent me draw him. And then the Son's work of Calvary, the cross work of Christ, is pleading with men to come. Come while there's time. Come while there's mercy. Come while there's opportunity. But then in John 16, 7-11, we see the Holy Spirit, the Comforter. And when He has come, verse 8, He will reprove or convict and convince the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment of sin because they believe not on me, of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more, of judgment because the Prince of this world is judged, and, and thus the wooing of the Spirit is pleading with men. Yes, God invites you with an importunity. He urges you with an earnest plea to come thou. Let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. But then we see the cross and its person. Luke 24, verses 25 through 27, the road to Emmaus where the disciples are walking, those two, and our Lord Jesus meets up with them and he begins to show them the things in the scripture, the Bible says, concerning himself. And beginning with Moses and the prophets, he expounded unto them all those things in the Old Testament concerning himself. Galatians 6.14, Paul said, But God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. I believe Paul would say in his own words there, with those two disciples from Jerusalem and Emmaus, walking back and forth in between, did not our hearts burn within us when he talked with us by the way? the cross in its place in Scripture. But let me answer this question, why Calvary? Well, consider Romans 3, 9 through 12. We are all under sin, and thus, according to verse 18, we have no fear of God before our eyes. Verse 19, we're all guilty before God, and the justice of God's holiness must be satisfied. Therefore, sin must be punished. It cries out for judgment. Divine justice cries out for God's retribution against sin. Yet the love of God's holiness must also be satisfied. And therefore, man's soul needs to be ransomed. And divine love cries out for redemption. What is the answer? There is an answer. The answer is Calvary. In the death of our Lord upon that tree, We see the very justice of God at work at Calvary. He punished our sins when He punished His Son. He put Him in our place, in our stead, and rolled our sins upon Him that the debt might be canceled and the penalty might be served out in justice and that God's wrath might be assuaged and that man might have a Redeemer. Because of Calvary, God can be both just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. Remember Romans 3 and verse 25. 
whom God, speaking of Jesus, hath set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood, to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past, through the forbearance of God, to declare, I say, at this time, his righteousness, that he, or that God, might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. Where is boasting then? It is excluded. By what law? Of works? Nay, but by the law of faith. Therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. Yes, Calvary is the answer. Let me give you this last thing in closing. It's very interesting. The name Calvary, the Aramaic, the Hebrew, Golgotha, Golgoleth, the Latin cranium, Calvaria, a skull, the Greek cranion, and the English Calvary. It doesn't matter which language you look it up in. It all points to the head of a man. And in the Hebrew Bible, that word Golgoleth is translated in Exodus 16, verse 16, and Exodus 38, verse 26. That word, which is normally translated as head and skull, is translated as this phrase, for every man. And thus I say that God wrote it into the very language of men, that Calvary was for every man. We thank you for making this ministry a part of your day. And in closing, we want to point you to the words of our Lord in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 4. He answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And truly it is written. God's word, every word, presents us with truths to live by. You've been listening to Brother Benjamin Cooley. Please send all correspondence to Truths to Live By, P.O. Box 575, Harriman, Tennessee, 37748. Or you can email us at bmarkcooley at gmail.com. And finally, brethren, pray for us.